This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. We're going to have a visit with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello in the first part of Theater of the Mind. Now, Abbott and Costello were a comedy double act during the early classical Hollywood era of American cinema. They were the most popular comedy team during the 40s and early 50s. Their patter routine, Who's On First, is one of the best-known comedy routines of all time and set the framework for many of their best-known comedy bits. Bud and Lou made 36 films together between 1940 and 1956. They were among the most popular and highest-paid entertainers in the World War II era. In '42, for example, their earnings for the financial year were put at $789,000 in a few dollars. On December 8th of '41, a day after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Abbott and Costello had their prints set in concrete at what was then Grauman's Chinese Theater. And in 1942, they were the top box office draw with four films earning a total of $10 million and remained a top 10 box office attraction until 1952. After working at Fred Allen's summer replacement, Abbott and Costello joined Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy on the Chase and Sanborn Hour in 1941. And they launched their own weekly show October 8th of 42, sponsored by Camel Cigarettes. So let's go back to those wonderful days of radio magic and visit again with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Costello program, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobacco. The Abbott and Costello program, with the modern rhythm of Will Osborne and his orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Haynes, and spotlighting that chunky, chubby little cherub, who went caught throwing eggs in the electric fan because he heard his uncle Artie Stebbins liked his eggs scrambled, calmly said, I'm a that I've been looking all over town for you. What are you doing in this beauty parlor? Ah, this is my beauty parlor, Abbott. What do you mean? I made up my mind that I was going to start off the new year a success. Yes. So I bought it, see? That's my name on the window. Louis A. Costello. Louis A. Costello? What mm-hmm. does the A stand for? Ah, that stands for my middle name, Atomic Bomb. <laughs> Your middle name is Atomic Bomb? Oh, yeah. The day I was born, my father took one look at me and blew up. Oh. <laughs> Please, Costello, talk sense. How can a dummy like you run a beauty shop? Oh, I've got a lot of business. 
Morgan Abbott. She's, she's here on the wall. What does it say? I'm going to read it. Louie Costello removes all wrinkles from your sister, your puppy, your mummy. I take the wrinkles out of your face and drop them down to your tummy. Oh. <laughs> I think the poem is bummy. Bummy, yes, yes. This is the silliest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> you're, you're no beauty expert. What's the matter with you? Oh, no, I just concocted a new hair grower, Rabbit. It's wonderful. Now, nah, now, nah, don't hand me that stuff. There's no preparation that you'll grow hair. Oh, all I know is I stole some of my cat last night. And what happened? We got the only cat in Hollywood that looks like Jerry Colonna. Oh. <laughs> hey, yeah, but this stuff will even grow hair on a billiard ball. Does it really work? Yeah, but it sure slows up the game. <laughs> Costello, why did you open up this beauty parlor without my wife's advice? Huh? You, you, why did you open this up without my wife's advice? You know that my wife is an expert uh, beautician. Didn't you ever see my wife waving her hair? No, but I saw her shaking it out the window. I I'll stop that. <laughs> Never mind that. Your wife, Barbara Fritchie. Never mind that. Shaking it out the window. Yes, yes, yes. My wife is also an expert at facial massage. Ooh. Every morning she, she massages her face with the juice of a lemon. I wondered what gave her that sour puss. Hey, 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 Costello. Now, now. I resent that, Costello. People have told me that my wife resembles Veronica Lee. Yeah, she wears her nose over one eye. She does. Uh, here, here. Costello. Uh, I am insulting your wife good tonight. Well, I'll talk to you after the program. Costello, I can tell you that you know absolutely nothing about running a beauty shop. Look, suppose a woman came in here right now and asked for a shampoo. Sham what? Uh, uh, poo, poo. Poo, poo to your car. Look, 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 look. Uh, how would you give a, a hen a rinse? How would I what? How would you give a hen a rinse? I'd take the hen and give her a pail of water. No, 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 you idiot. I, I didn't say hen. I said henna. Henna is uh, a shade of a hair. Uh, what kind of shade does your girl have? I don't know. She never pulls it down. No, no, no. Henna is a color. For example, your girlfriend has henna-colored hair. She's Titian. She's what? Your girlfriend is Titian. No, she ain't. She quit teaching when she was a baby. She's got all her teeth. Oh, teeth. Yeah, she, she cleans her teeth every night with toothpaste. There you go. Who writes this stuff? Oh, my, that stuff. Look, uh, there's all that silly talk of yours. Costello, you'll never get a customer to come to this beauty shop. Oh, yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, I'm sending out these wonderful pictures. Just look at them, Adam. It's a picture of Monty Willie in a nightshirt. Oh, you dope. Those are calendars for the new year. That old man is for the time. Oh, is that part of time? Sure. You see, he's got a long white beard, and that thing he's holding is a sickle. Do you know what a sickle is for? Sure, to cut his beard. Uh, no, 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 no. Pay no, well, pay no attention to me. Whenever you see Father Time, you'll find the old man's sickle. Oh, the old man's sickle? Certainly. Why don't you call a doctor? Look, Costello, Well, they should let the old man run around sickle, Abbott. No, no, he's no, liable no. to catch the hoople cockle. No, 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 could develop in the speck of cockle. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? You wind up in the hospital. No, 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 Costello. The sickle I'm talking about. Will so you listen to me, please? <laughs> look, look, uh, Costello, the sickle I'm talking That's about. The cockle is awful. But you don't know what I'm talking about. That's a bird germicle. But, Lou, please, the sickle I'm talking about is a scythe. See? The old man is holding his scythe. Well, if he's holding his scythe, then. Then that must be the scythe he's sickle on. No, no. What are you talking about, please? Well, you said if he was sickle, he was holding the scythe. If he's, if he's sickle on his right scythe, that could be very dangerous. He might have a pendicycle. Oh, look, please, Costello. Father Time and the sickle represent the old year. And this little baby picture alongside of him on the calendar is the new year. Oh, he's a cute little baby, Abbott. But he certainly wears expensive clothes. Expensive clothes? Look at the price tag on his diaper. 1946. Uh, 1946 is the new year.
What's wrong with you, Costello? Huh? 1946 is the new year. And Father Time is the old year. Now, next Monday night, we ring out the old man and... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why ring out the old man? No, 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 no,
You haven't had a customer today. Oh, hey, Abbott, look who's coming across the street. It's the actress, Bessie Mae Mucho. <laughs> Hello, boys. I just dropped in to congratulate you on the opening of your new shop. I think it's just too, too enchanting. Yes, yes, it's Devine. <laughs> I'd like to make an appointment for Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon? Ah, yes, Abby, you know what Saturday is. That's the day after Friday. <laughs> and the day before Sunday. Yes, I'm going to see the big football classic. New Year's Day out at Pasadena. Oh, yes, Pasadena, lovely place. That's the home of the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I could have said some now. I can hardly wait to see all Obama play. Are you betting on all Obama? No, I'm putting all my money on the Trujans. <laughs> oh, Mr. Costello, you are the cutest man. You make me feel so romantic. Oh, yeah. I feel like squeezing your hand. Why don't you put your arms around me and give me a big hoog? <laughs> Maybe you would like to test my loops. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, Costello, here's your girlfriend leaning against it. Ah, ha, ha. Well, Costello, I finally caught you with your arms around another girl. You poor man, Tommy Manville. <laughs> Will you write to me from Brooklyn? You will write to me, won't you? 
Why should I write to you from Brooklyn? I'd just like to know how the tree is doing. <laughs> just as I thought, you always were a silly little twerp and you'll never be anything else. Goodbye and good riddance. Well, Costello, your girlfriend walked out on you. Yes, and I thought I was going to be such a big success in the coming year. I guess it's no use, Abbott. I might as well close up this beauty shop. I'm no good. I'm a failure. Well, you certainly are. Well, you don't know how to treat people. You you don't know how to be nice to people, that's all. You're right, Abbott. And I'm going to go away. I'm going to go someplace and join an organization that will teach me to have good friends and do nice things. I'll join the Campfire Girls. No, no, Costello. You yes, mean the... I will. Now, wait a minute, you can. I'm going to join the you Campfire Girls. You listen to me, please. Please. You mean the Boy Scouts. The Campfire Girls are all women. You join what you like, and I'll join what I like. Camel's lovely Connie Haynes repeats one of the season's most popular songs, Love Letters. The sky may be starless, the night may be moonless, but deep in my heart there's a glow. For deep in my heart I on the gas. Hey, wait a minute, Abbott. Where are we going? Well, I'm not going to let you give up your beauty business. I'm going to show you how to sell beauty treatments from house to house. Now, now this looks like a good neighborhood. Stop the car. Okay, I'll stop it here at the corner of 2nd Street. 
Close enough. <laughs> what brakes? <laughs> the brakes are on my skates. <laughs> yes, are now. Here's a nice-looking house, Costello. Knock on the door and tell the woman you'd like to give her a beauty treatment. Yeah, but suppose she slams the door on my face. Oh, nonsense. The modern woman never slams the door on a salesman's face. Well, that's different. Well? I'd like to sell you a nice... Boy, is she old-fashioned. Well, what are you knocking again for? I just want to get my nose out of the door. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, whose line is it now? That's yours. <laughs> well, we didn't... We, it's all right. I got Thank it. you. We didn't do any good there. Go ahead. Hello. Come on, Costello, let's stop at this next house and see our old Scotch friend, Mr. Brown. Hey! <laughs> Was I lost? Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's Scotty Brown at the window now. I'll, hey, ahead, I'll, whistle, whistle I'll, I'll whistle at Scotty. Go ahead. Ladies, <laughs> I wish you would not whistle in front of my horse. Why not? Well, every time anybody whistles and wakes up my canary, he reaches down and eats another bird seed. <laughs> uh, Scotty, Costello. Costello is going from house to house selling beauty treatments. Hey, Scotty, how about let me curl your wife's hair for 50 cents? No, thanks, laddie. I do that myself. I was just about to curl her hair when you come to the door. You can watch me if you like. Are you ready to have me curl your hair, dearie? All right, Scotty. All right, here we go. Chapter 27. As the poor girl descended the steps that led to the dank and musty old cellar, a long, hairy arm reached out and grabbed her by the throat. <laughs> that did it. That makes her hair curl every time. Good day. <laughs> well, how do you like that guy? Scaring his wife to make her hair curl up. Oh, that's nothing. He makes his kids cry to water the flower beds. Hey, <laughs> wait a minute. Hey, look who's coming down the street. It's our old friend, Officer Melonhead, the police. Hello, boys. Hey, Hi. I can't stop to talk to you now, Melonhead. I'm going from house to house selling beauty treatment. Oh, you won't stop at my house, huh? You wouldn't fix my wife's hair. You wanted to take her hair off and send it over to your shop. Go ahead, tell everybody my wife wears a wig. Your wife wears a wig? Your wife wears a wig? Go on, start a rumor. <laughs> Look, Melonhead, your wife has lovely black hair It's as black as coal Oh, huh? Go on, say it Say that you saw her shovel it into her snood I know what you're thinking Why don't you say it, Costello? My wife is ugly She's got lips as rough as shoe leather Melonhead, that isn't true Your wife's lips are as nice and sweet and smooth Oh, you found that out <laughs> So you're the guy my mother-in-law saw running out the door the other night Oh, now he's dragging my mother-in-law into this I didn't even Sure, my mother not that's worth talking about, huh? Why don't you say it? My mother-in-law's uglier than my wife. Look, I didn't say that, Melonhead. I think your mother-in-law's beautiful. Get a load of this dope. My mother-in-law has a mustache and a three-inch wart on her nose. He calls her beautiful. <laughs> Look, Melonhead, I don't want to argue with you. I'm just trying to be a success in 1946. I just want you to have a nice happy new year. Oh, you want me to have a happy new year, but you wouldn't wish me a real happy new year. Okay, I wish you a happy new year. Just one, huh? I should have one happy new year, and the rest of my life I should be miserable. Okay, have two happy new years, three, four, have ten happy new years. Oh, you're just throwing them at me. You wouldn't say them with feeling, huh? Oh, he's right, Costello. Come on, let's wish him a rousing, good happy new year. Come on. Okay. Happy, happy new, new year, year Melonhead. For he's a jolly good fellow. He's a jolly good fellow. Happy new year. Happy 
two guys. Here it is, four days before New Year, and they're both plastered already. <laughs> Come on, Chester. Let's try one more house. No, I'm disgusted with that, but I feel like giving the whole thing oh, up. Oh, don't be silly. I'm sure we can sell a treatment of this house. Right here, right next door. This is where Mrs. Niles lives. Go ahead, ring the doorbell. Okay. Why, hello, Mrs. Niles. Oh, hello, Mr. Abbott. I see you're out walking your big, fat bulldog. Oh, <laughs> oh pardon me. It's you, Costello. Uh, yes. Uh, look, uh, look uh, Mrs. Niles. <laughs> Costello is starting a new business, uh, giving beauty treatments. Yes, Mrs. Niles. You look like you need a little work done on your face. Oh, I do, eh? What's wrong with my face? Oh, nothing. I was just wondering how the horse looks without it. Quiet, Costello. Uh, it wouldn't take much work, Mrs. Niles, to bring out your real beauty. Oh, do you really think so? Oh, quite right. Well, it was just a few years ago I had all the young men chasing after me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wonder how I could get them to chase after me again. Why don't you try carrying a ball in the Rose Bowl game? <laughs> Please, Costello. Now, Mrs. Niles, if you'll just sit down here in this chair, we'll start off with a nice egg shampoo. Yes. Come here, Betty. <laughs> Oh, we use only fresh eggs. Now, just sit back while I put Betty on your head. Go ahead, Betty. Do your stuff. <laughs> oh, a double yoke. Oh, you get out of here. But I can't leave the house now, Mrs. Niles. I just noticed that your skin needs lifting. What do you mean? Do you think my skin is too loose? Oh, no, it's just the opposite. Your skin is a little too tight. Here, I'll lift your skin and show you. <laughs> my word, my skin is tight. Tight? Every time you bend your knees, your mouth flies open. <laughs> Come on, Costello, get busy. I've got the mud pack already. Yes, Mrs. Nile. This mud pack is my grandmother's special. It's her special formula. It paves the way to beauty. Help me put it on, Abbott. Here, I'll take one side of her face and you take the other. Okay, we make her nose the uh, dividing line. No, let's divide it in the middle. Okay. <laughs> well, there's mud in your eyes. Uh, my heavens, this mud is beginning to harden on my face already. Look, I, I, I can't move my jaws. Yeah, this stuff has got a lot of good qualities. <laughs> it's beginning to draw my face up. Get it off, you hear? Get it off. Well, wait, there's a couple of ways to get it off. Well, just tell me one way. You'll have to take your pick. Oh. <laughs> oh, you idiot. This stuff is as hard as a rocket, and you said it would pave the way to beauty. Yes, it was my, gr my grandmother's special formula. Well, Castelli, you shouldn't have used it. It's all your fault. No, it isn't my fault. Then it's your grandmother's fault. No, it isn't my fault, and it isn't my grandmother's fault. Then whose fault is it? It's ass fault. <laughs> Costello will be back for Camel Cigarettes in just a moment. And now, this week's salute in the new series of salutes to the men who won the victory. Tonight, we salute the 34th Red Bull Division, heroes of Tunisia, Casino, Leghorn, and Bologna. In your honor, men of the Red Bull Division, the makers of camels, are sending to other servicemen still overseas 500,000 Camel Cigarettes. <laughs> 
the two camel radio shows thus honors the different units of the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard. A total of a million camels sent free each week. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week, are rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are stationed, and to our good neighbors in Central and South America. And now, here are Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with the final word. Well, folks, that winds up our our programs for the year 1945. Yes, friends, but we'll be back on the year next Thursday night. We'll bring you another whole year of Abbott and Costello. No, no, not that! I'm going to get a guy stand as a Wait a minute, wait a minute! Hey, wait a minute, fella. You've been pulling riddles on me every week. Now, tonight I've got one for you. Go ahead, fat stuff. All right, what's the difference between a baby fawn, a diamond ring, and a jackass? I don't know. Well, a baby fawn is a little deer. A diamond ring is two deer. Yeah, what about the jackass? That's you, dear. Good night, folks. <laughs> a happy New Year to everybody. And don't forget, folks, five victory bonds at your favorite neighborhood theater. We hope to tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your T-Zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat, to a T. Michael Roy in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant good night for Camel. Stay tuned now for the Eddie Cantor Show. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. And here on Zoomer Radio, we ask you to stay tuned for Inner Sanctum. Next up. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Listen up as Inner Sanctum's host takes us on a detour to terror next on Theater of the Mind. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, waiting to act as your guide through the squeaking door on a specially prepared travelogue. Mm-hmm. First, we'll take a little jaunt with Jeopardy along the path of peril, where we'll prowl with panic until we take the left turn into Horror Highway, and thence via Terror Turnpike straight into the road to ruin. (laughs) I don't think I like your itinerary, Mr. Host. If you don't mind, I'd much rather take a shortcut to the Highway of Happiness via the kitchen. And uh, pray tell us by what signpost shall we recognize your blithesome... Highway of Happiness, Mary? Well, you'll just know you're headed for pleasure when you take your first taste of swell Lipton tea. Because, ah, oh, what a world of contentment there is in every cupful. What flavor, what wide-awake flavor. No one of the tea experts say there's only one word to describe Lipton's, and that's brisk. No wonder more folks enjoy Lipton's than any other brand of tea in the world. It's because Lipton tea never tastes dull, flat, or dreary. It's always lively and cheery. 
Yes, Lipton's is the world's favorite tea. And it will be your favorite, too, once you taste that brisk Lipton flavor. So be sure you try Lipton tea. Listen now to the strange tale of a boy and his twin sister and their dog and the wreckers of Hurricane Cove. It's called Detour to Terror. An original radio play written especially for Inner Sanctum by Emil Tepperman. And here is Mason Adams as Jerry Watson to tell you the story himself. I had a strange, uneasy feeling all evening after Linda left to drive to Hurricane Cove. Somehow I had a presentiment of danger. Linda and I were twins, and always, in some uncanny way, each of us had been able to sense when the other was in trouble. Tonight, the feeling was very strong. Butch sensed it, too. He was only a mongrel pup, but he was smart. I shouldn't have let Linda go alone, but she had insisted. She was a feature writer for the Manhattan Magazine, and she'd run across the trail of a story about an old family of wreckers who lived down by the shore near Hurricane Cove. The tale went that this family had made a living in the old days by placing false signals on the shore in order to lure ships onto the rocks and then loot them. It was this story that she'd gone to investigate. Unwilling to go to bed with that uneasy feeling lying heavy upon me, I dozed in the chair by the fire with Butch's whine in my ears. It must have been a dream because I saw Linda's white face floating in a sort of haze. And then I saw the fear in her eyes as she called to me. Jerry! Jerry, help me! Help me! I came awake suddenly with a cold sweat in my face. Butch was on his haunches by the fireplace, nose in the air and howling as if for the dead. I felt myself trembling. Linda, Linda in danger. Somewhere, somewhere out in that storm, Linda was calling to me for help. She needed me terribly. Come on, Butch, we're going after her. Within 20 minutes, I was speeding through the storm out along Highway 9. I remembered Linda's telling me just what route she'd take. See, Jerry, I'll go out on 9 to here, and then turn off on the old shore road. It isn't used much anymore, but it's the shortest route to Hurricane Cove. And if I leave now, I should be there by midnight. The mist lay heavy on the old shore road, and the rain drove against the windshield, and the swirling fog played strange tricks with my eyes. But I knew I was almost an hour behind Linda, and I had to make time. Don't worry, Butch. We'll catch up to her. We'll find her. I can only go faster. It's fog. I can't see 20 feet ahead of me. It's a red lantern on the road. It's a detour sign. Bridge ahead, washed out. Detour. What'll I do, Butch? How do I know what Linda did? Did she drive straight ahead or did she take the detour? I've got to know I can't sit here. Wait. We'll take the detour, Butch. And pray it's the right choice. This detour isn't taking us anywhere, Butch. I don't think Linda came this way. 
Maybe she didn't see the detour sign back there. Drove into the washed-out bridge. Maybe that's what the danger was. No, she couldn't have missed that red lantern, even in the fog. She must have turned off. She must have come this way. Hey! There's the car, Butch. Stored in the ditch and blocking the road. It's Linda's car. Come on, let's get to her quick. Gosh, it's coming down and... Never mind the lightning. Let's go. She's not in the car, Butch. I don't see her in the car. Oh, no, she's not in here. Linda! Linda! Where could she have gone, Butch? She was always scared of thunder and lightning. Linda! How can we look for her in the dark and the fog? What is it, Butch? What have you found over there? I'm coming, Butch! I'm coming! Where, Butch? Where, behind the tree? All right. Linda. Linda. She's not... She... Linda. Open your eyes. It's Jerry, Linda. Linda, don't... Don't be scared, Linda. Everything's all right. It's me. It's Jerry. Oh, Linda. Jerry. Yeah. Oh, thank heaven. Jerry, take me away from here. Sure, kid. Come on. Here, I'll, I'll help you out. Come on. My car's over this way. I must have fainted. I knew you'd come, Jerry. I had a feeling you would. I was afraid it might be too late. Here, get in the car. Yeah. Come on in, Butch. Gosh, you're soaked to the skin, kid. What happened here? Well, there... There was a man. He was hiding up there behind a tree. The headlights caught him when I got stalled in the ditch. How'd you come to land in the ditch? Well, there's a tree lying across the road. See, look over there. You can just see it in the headlights. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Gosh, it's a big one. Must have been struck by the lightning. That's what I thought at first. But when I got out to look at it, I saw that it wasn't struck by lightning. What? Jerry, that tree has been deliberately cut. Then are you sure? Sure I am. It's been cut by a saw. The minute I looked at it, I realized it wasn't any accident. Somebody meant to block this road. Great Scott. Well, I hurried back into the car and I tried to turn around. I wanted to go back. You couldn't have turned around anyway. This road is too narrow. Yeah, well, I was too scared to realize that. I started backing up and the rear wheels landed in the ditch. And it was just then that I saw the man. He was coming out from behind the tree and he was all hunched up so I couldn't see his face. Then when the headlights struck him, he ducked back and he disappeared. Well, I was afraid to stay in the car, so I jumped out and I started to run. Then I could hear him coming after me. I must have tripped and my head struck something. That's all I knew till you found me. Are, are you sure it was a man you saw, Kim? Yeah, positive, Jerry. I don't get it. What was the idea of blocking the road? Well, what's the matter, boys? He hears something. Look over there. Someone running through the woods carrying something. I'm going after him. Careful, Jerry. Look. Butch has that man by the trousers. Oh, he kicked Butch. Hey, you don't have to kick my door. Come on, back here, you. I'm coming with you. Oh, it's no use. He ran away in the night. Uh, are you all right, Butch? Look, Jerry. Whoever he was, he dropped what he was carrying. Uh, what is it? it? Looks like a big board of some kind. Here, I'll turn the flashlight on. What's oh, a sign? Has lettering on it. What's it say? What's well, it says... Great Scott. What is it, Jerry? It says, bridge ahead, washed out. 
Detour. Jerry, this is the detour sign from the highway. Yeah. They only put it up there to lure you onto this back road. Then they blocked the road with a tree. Kid, it looks like we're in some kind of a trap. of a mess have we got these poor people into. Imagine finding that poor twin sister unconscious behind the tree. And it took Butch to find her, too. I wonder what kind of a tree it was. Oh, probably a dogwood tree. As you can always tell a dogwood tree by its bark. <laughs> There's poor Linda in all that trouble, and here you go, making puns. I, I can't help it, Mary. That's my nature. I ought to know it's your nature by now. And I ought to know, too, you can't change people. Take those of us who like to start each day off with piping hot Lipton tea. Why, nothing in the world could change us. In fact, breakfast just wouldn't be breakfast without Lipton. Lipton tea just seems to go with a bright bowl of gay yellow jonquils and sunny-checked gingham tablecloth and, of course, the morning paper. Part of the reason is Lipton's deep amber color and tempting aroma. But the big reason breakfast wouldn't be right without Lipton's is Lipton's grand, brisk flavor. It's so lively and tingling with zip. Just a cup or two of Lipton's and your spirits catch on and your day's off to a bright start. Yes, breakfast time or any time is the right time to enjoy Lipton tea. So for real tea-drinking pleasure, ask your grocer tomorrow for brisk Lipton tea. Well, let's get back to our story now and see what happens along that deadly detour. I have a hunch that Jerry and Linda are in for a lot of trouble. Trouble and twins, you know, never come singly. We got back in my car, wet and shivering, Linda, Butch, and I. We tried to figure out what to do. Don't you see, Jerry? This is the way those old-time wreckers used to work. They'd place false signals on the shore so that the ships would be lured onto the rocks. Mm-hmm. You think that phony detour sign back It was there. just like a false signal to a seaman. It lured us onto this back road. When they get good and ready, they'll come for us. Maybe you're right, kid. Well, Jerry, we can't just sit here and wait to be murdered. Look, wind up there in the hill through the trees. See those lights? Looks like a big house. Hey, maybe they've got a phone. We could call the police. Uh, uh, and maybe... Maybe what, Jerry? Nothing. You think maybe they're the ones who lured us here? We'll have to take the chance, then. Ground here is so soft. Isn't there a path through these woods? There is. We could never find it now. <sighs> anyway, this is the quickest. There are the lights of the house up ahead through the trees. Such big trees. So old and bare. They look like evil things. Like they're waiting to twine their arms around us and crush us. Wait it, kid. You'll work yourself up for nothing. We'll be at the house in a minute. What? What is it? The lights, they went out. 
The house, it's all dark. Quiet, Butch, Why did they put the lights out, Jerry? Maybe they went to sleep. What do we do? We'll go up and ring the bell. That's what we'll do. Jerry. What? Do you hear that? What? Yeah. Yeah, someone playing the piano in there. In the dark. Oh, it sounds uncanny. Come on, I'm going to ring the bell. The piano stopped? Yeah. I think I hear someone coming. Still no lights? Excuse me, the creeps. Someone's opening the door. Evening. Caught in the store, man. Won't you come in? Uh, your lights, aren't they working? That was stupid of me. I'd forgotten. Yeah. That better? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I'm Jerry Watson. This is my sister, Linda. This is Butch. How do you do? My name is Considine. Gregory Considine. And you're quite welcome, I assure you. Mr. Considine, there's been a tree cut across the road down there. Tree? Cut? You mean struck by lightning? I don't think so, sir. I think it was done deliberately. I'd like to use your phone to call the police. Hmm. I'm so sorry. The phone is out of order. Storm, you know. I'm sure you must be mistaken about tree. You must be soaked through and through. Please follow me into the library. I'll get you some dry clothes. Jerry, did you see his eyes? He's blind. That's why I was playing the piano in the dark. Right in here, please. It's a nice crackling fire. You can warm up while I ring for my handyman. Matt will be here in a moment. I heard what you said to your brother, Miss Watson. Oh, I'm sorry. Not at all. I manage quite well. You live alone here, Mr. Considine? Uh, just my brother Vincent and I... Matt, of course. We seldom see strangers here. No one uses this old back room. Mr. Considine, someone put a phony detour sign out on the main road. Really? Sounds almost incredible. Ah, here's Matt. To uh, ring for me, Mr. Gregg? Matt, uh, this is Miss Watson and her brother, and, and Butch. They've been caught in the storm. I think there's some dry clothing in the west room. Yes, Mr. Craig. Yeah, this way, please. Are you in there, Craig? What have you done with those people? Oh, dear. That's my brother Vincent. I'm afraid I'll have to ask a favor of you. Please overlook anything Vincent may say. He's, shall I say, a bit strange. Oh, here you are. Well, introduce me to your friends, Greg. Go upstairs, Vincent. Go upstairs, Vincent. Is that all you have to say to your brother? What are you going to do to these people? What are you planning for them? Vincent. You can't shut me up. Look here, mister. Young lady. Take a bit of advice from me. Don't stay in this house overnight. Or you'll never live to see the morning. Get out, quick. Matt. 
You know what to do. No. Yes, Mr. Craig. No, please. Keep away from me, Matt. Keep away. I warn you, Mr. Get your sister out of it. No, hey, let go of me, Matt. Hey, let me knock him out. I regret that it was necessary, Mr. Watson. Vincent is difficult at times. Please pay no attention to what he said. I'm very sorry that you had to witness this painful scene. Uh, Matt, please carry Mr. Vincent upstairs and lock him in his room. I hope you like these rooms. Yes, thank you. Yes, I'm sure we'll be comfortable, Mr. Constantine. They're adjoining rooms, as you see. And these doors bolt on the inside. I advise you to keep them locked all night. We surely will. Thank you for these dry clothes and for the tea. You're quite welcome, I assure you. Now just try to get a good night's sleep. Everything will be all right in the morning. Oh, Jerry, I'm scared. <laughs> so is Butch. And so am I. What'll we do? First thing to do is bolt the door. He's blind. Yet he frightens me, Jerry. The way he ordered his brother knocked down. Jerry, there's something I've got to tell you. What is it, kid? The name of that family of old-time wreckers. It's Considine. You mean... These are the people. Their ancestors used to loot ships. And now they're working on motorists. Poor Vincent tried to warn Terry, what are we going to do? We've got to get out of here before they come up to finish us off. Let's take a look out the window. Oh, it's pitch black out there. Blocked by the streak of lightning, did you see? Yes, I did. That man, that Matt, standing under the tree with a rifle. We're stuck. No escape. What's that? Someone tapping against the wall. Yeah. Can you hear me? Who is it? It's Vincent. I'm in the room next door to you. It's locked on the outside. Can you get me out? We'll be right there. <laughs> Quiet, Butch. Oh, Jerry, maybe there's a chance. If Vincent will help us. Come on, kid. Yeah. No noise. Come on. Here, this is the door. Look, it's bolted on the outside. They must keep them locked up all the time. Well, here goes. Vincent. Here I am. Don't make any noise. My brother has ears like a cat. And don't let him fool you. He may be blind, but he's more dangerous than any man who can see. How are we going to get out of here? Matt's watching outside with a rifle. Listen. The piano. My brother is amusing himself in the dark. He always plays the piano when he has something on his mind. Do you know any way for us to get out of here? Well, there's only a slim chance. Now listen to me carefully. The only chance is to get out the back way. But you have to pass the open living room door downstairs. And Greg is in there at the piano. So what do we do? Well, you wait here. I'll go down first. See if they've left the cellar door unlocked. I'll come back for you. Please, don't move until I return. Be careful. Yes, don't worry. I will. Jerry, what'll happen if Craig hears him? 
Rag will probably call Matt and lock him up again. What'll become of us? We'll worry about that later. Jerry, he stopped playing. Yeah. Do you think he heard Vincent coming down? Oh! Oh! Jerry, Greg caught him. What do we do? Come on, we're going down. The lights are all out down here. I don't hear anything. Where do you think Greg is? Maybe he's waiting to jump us in the dark. Come on, I don't care. Stick behind me. We're going in the living room. Where's Butch? I don't know. What is it? My foot touched on me. A body. Oh. Oh. Then I'm going to take a chance on the flashlight. Stand back. All right. Oh. Great sky. What is it? Look. What is it? But... That isn't Vincent. It's Greg. He's been stabbed. Watch out. Vincent. Somewhere around. He'll kill you. What do you mean? My brother Vincent. The one who's been doing the wrecking. We always keep him locked up. But tonight, he got away. Planted the detour sign. Cut the tree. Vincent did all that. Matt and I, we tried to stop him. Matt went out to the road, took down the detour sign, but it was too late. Oh, John, he'll be back. He'll kill you. He's dead. Jerry. Poor Greg. And we thought of... The lights. Thank you for waiting for me. Vincent. Where'd you get that rifle? From Matt. He won't need it anymore. What are you going to (laughs) do? What do you think? You're crazy. Well, aren't we all? Now, my good friends, if you'll just say a prayer. Any little prayer will do. point that gun at my sister. It won't do you any good to stand in front of her. This rival is a 30-30. Now, if you're ready... Jerry, he's mad. The gun went off in his face. Oh, Jerry. Take it easy. He's dead. Don't, don't look at him. He isn't pretty to look at. What you did all right. Well, kid, it can write your feature story now. The story of the wreckers of Hurricane Cove. And it'll be under your own byline, too. I'm going to write it under a double byline, Jerry. The wreckers of Hurricane Cove by Linda Watson and Butch. How does it feel to have a byline? Uh-huh, you like it. You like collaborating, don't you? Uh-huh, especially with a pretty girl like Linda, huh? <laughs> Which just goes to prove that there's a little bit of wolf in the best of dogs. But do you know the difference between a wolf call and a wolf whistle, Mr. Host? Uh, let me think. When a fellow gives a wolf whistle, he's starved. For love. <laughs> <laughs>
And when he gives a wolf call, he's just plain starved. In which case, there's just one thing to do. Feed him. But if you really want to appeal to his better nature, see that he winds up every meal with a good big cup of satisfying Lipton tea. Men certainly go for that brisk Lipton flavor. It's so lively and full of zip. So make a note right now to ask your grocer for Lipton tea tomorrow morning. Once you taste full-bodied Lipton tea, you'll know why you find Lipton tea in more teacups than any other brand of tea in the world. For Lipton is tea at its delicious best. Start enjoying it real soon. Get the tea with brisk flavor. Get Lipton tea. A parting word of advice, friend. If you should ever awake from a hideous nightmare and find yourself driving in a mental fog along a lane that has no turning, with madmen lurking behind trees waiting to strike you down, and strange beasts with red tongues lapping at your ankles, and the bare and ugly trees stretching forth their gnarled arms to crush you, and there is no escape, no escape at all. Why worry about it? You won't come out alive anyway. <laughs> Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Benefit Performance by Richard Say. And next week, the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups will bring you another Inner Sanctum story directed by Hyman Brown and called Murder in the Night. Correction, there'll be three murders. You know, it's going to take a lot of nerve to hear this tale out, so I don't suppose you'll be listening. That is... Unless you've just got to find out how a brass button in a dead man's hand traps the murderer. If so, tune in to Inner Sanctum next week at the same time. Until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gunsmoke, followed by the FBI in Peace and War. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.